Broadcasting live from sunny South Florida, this is KMA Talk Radio. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of fine cigars. Your KMA crew, the Italian scallion, Paul DeGracco, Alex Tavella, a.k.a. The Goat, and always telling it like it is, Honest Abe. I like to smoke them like the Winston Churchill. Good morning, everybody. It is producer Paul, or whatever they're going to call me this week, live with KMA Talk Radio, episode 463, I believe we're on. And of course, I'm joined by the GOAT, Alex Tavella. Good morning, Paul. I'm sure you can hear the screams in the background. Thanks to the tropical storm, there's no place that they can go. So we're going to hear that all day today. <laughs> yeah, it's a um, it's a Saturday in the house kind of day. Unfortunately. Oh, yeah. And uh, joining us today, uh, because uh, Abe is somewhere in the middle of nowhere without service right now, Which is we'll William Cooper. Good morning, guys. Or we get Coop. like a bonus, we get Coop. Uh Absolutely. No, always honored. Always honored. Uh, thank you guys uh, so much. And I think Abe's getting a well-deserved vacation, so certainly uh, understood. All right, everybody. There's a lot of ass kissing going on around here these days. Oh, I'm so I miss Abe. I'm so happy he's getting a vacation. All right, he'll be fine. All right, Abe's doing just fine. Yes, great. He has a vacation. Terrific. Well, I mean, Paul, for a guy who goes on vacation like every week, I mean, listen. I don't go on vacation every week. I just when there's weekends, I go on vacation. I, well, I don't work on the weekends except for this, and I still worked. Well, I still worked this past week. I was in Disney. I still work. <laughs> just throwing that out there. I couldn't tell you the last time I've been on vacation. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean, my vacations are always work somehow. I no, I shouldn't say I did have a vacation uh, last month in Orlando. I did have some. Yeah, I was just gonna say you were. Here I did. No, whole family, right? I, well, but that was the other part of it. I had the whole family. Right. And, and even when you have uh, four over the age of twenty, it's not—it's still difficult. <laughs> nah, it still well, work. It still work, you, right? Though, for in your situation, if you don't get a vacation, that's your fault, right? I mean, you can take a vacation from your day job. That's not oh, the issue. I, I could. The problem is when I take vacations from my day job, I'm doing things like um, going to PCA, you know, stuff like that. So that's that, what I'm saying. Yeah. That yeah, you're, it's always yeah. cigar coop related stuff. When yeah, yeah. Well, I'm taking job. extra time in Miami, so yeah, it's that's the trade-off. I mean, so people may say, "Oh, that's still a vacation." Um, I challenge them to come follow us at the PCA trade show for four days. We'll break you down. Trust me, we will, uh, we, will, we, will, we will break you. Yeah. Then you need a vacation from that vacation. Mm -hmm. Yep, it's true. I mean, the guys who I brought, you know, since I started bringing guys to the trade show, they realize how much work this is um, for three and a half days at very little return. The guys that you brought this past year, you brought Bear, right? Was one of I the brought guys you brought? Bear, Ben, and Aaron Nielsen. So what, was it any of their first times at the trade show? It, it was Aaron Nielsen's first time. So and this is on a scale down floor, too, right? Imagine yeah. if it was. 
Yeah. So for folks that don't know, Aaron Nielsen, he joined my team last year. Uh, he's got um, some, kind of some pedigree in the family. He's he's the son of the founder of the band Cheap Trick, uh, Rick Nielsen. But Aaron's like a true cigar guy, trust me. Um, but even he kind of was, you know, it was kind of great to see his face as we walked into the trade show and see like the reaction because you do have that reaction when you walk on the trade show floor. Yeah, that's cool. It's got to be cool for you to see that. I yeah, kind of know that like, hey, I did this. I, I brought them here. Yeah. Right. Uh, Bear, I did the same thing a few years ago and Bear went for the first time in 2018. Um, uh, that was funny because when Bear went for his first time, that was the year of the trade show fire. That and it, so it delayed the trade. His delay of going to the trade show was delayed like another half day because uh, of that because okay. of that fire that happened. Yeah, because but but Bear never went with his day job, right? He worked in or he does he still work in retail in Texas? Uh, not really much. I think occasionally he, he kind of fills in, but not he, he's not doing it uh, as much as he used to. Okay. Uh, but he had never gone with his day job. No. Uh, now Ben's a different story. Ben's been going to the trade show longer than I have, so he Ben's actually the the biggest veteran as far as he's this a goes. seasoned vet, huh? Yeah, he's been going since like it was RTDA, Ben. So he, yeah, he's been going a long time. Alex, have you ever gone? No. Yeah, me neither. Do you know the question I'm getting from everyone? I mean, is Abe going? You guys know? Yes. Okay, so he oh, is definitely. going. Okay. I'm pretty sure. Yep. I wouldn't know. He, did, you know, he doesn't funny. discuss I, such matters with me. I actually used to miss the trade show by like like a week every year. Um, I used to go to Vegas for the World Series. Uh, poker ah, and, yep. and uh, literally it runs until like yeah. the fourth of july almost and you know i would miss yeah it by. one year i think we did because one year they did move the trade show to the last week in june and i think there was a, a big a close overlap from what i remember yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah i would huh. i just miss it yeah well you should have stuck around well i guess as a consumer yeah, well, if you, you didn't know, have a just sticking around isn't, you know, quite cheap in uh, in Vegas. No, uh, come on. Vegas Excalibur, isn't cheap anymore. Is what I tell people. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Vegas is not cheap. And people remember, like about like twenty years ago, they were promoting Vegas as this vacation place, and you know, a lot of things were affordable. It's not affordable anymore to go to Vegas. There's not. They don't have like the Excalibur rooms for like fifty, sixty bucks a night or anything like that anymore. They have I mean, things. I mean, if you want to stay at the Excalibur, I mean, I've um, stayed there. It's fine. But it's okay, fine. the Excalibur. Okay, let's say fine or not. The Excalibur is nowhere near the trade show. I mean, it's all the way in the right. south end of the strip. On the opposite yeah. side, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, so that that's that's really becomes the problem there. Or, or if you right. want to eat at a food court, you know, instead of eating something, I'm not saying you have to eat at a five star Michelin restaurant, <laughs> but uh, you know, it, it's still not, it's still not cheap, is what I'm telling you. Right. The, yeah, Airfare was a fortune this year. I mean, I've been people probably heard me whining about that all week. I mean, the team airfare bill is brutal this year. I'm we're dealing with airfare now, actually flying yeah. up to New York because we go up for the summer and it's it's like triple the price that it yeah, used to yeah, be. I'm yeah, I'm not it, driving it, anymore. I'm done driving. I, I don't blame you. I mean, with, with kids, it's hard. I, I don't blame you. Well, we but used to I don't do know how flying is easy, easier. We had two dogs, and we, you know, if we were going up for a month or two, we had to bring both dogs. I couldn't pay for care for the dogs for two months. Right but now, we only have one dog, and she's small. She can go in a carrier. So we're like, you know what? Let's just bite the bullet. But for the four of us to fly up to to Long Island, even I mean, it's still over two thousand dollars. You know, I just went through it. You know, my dad's memorial. We were up there, and lucky we didn't get hit with the airfare. 
but we we wanted to do Airbnbs, and those were very expensive in New York. We ended up oh, yeah. having to rent the multiple hotel rooms. It was cheaper to get. Well, especially going into now, like that now is when the seasons start. You know, people people want to be up there in the spring, in the summer. You know, this yeah. is the time to go. Yeah. So I think that's what it. Plus, getting direct flight. I mean, we don't fly into JFK or or LaGuardia because we're not tourists. So even though they're equidistant from the Long Island airport, we go to the one out east. The Islip Airport. That's a, it's Islip. an easy airport. Yeah, if you could, if you could, put, if the problem is where I am, I'd have to take a uh, a stopover to do it, at least from Charlotte. But that airport, like, I flown that airport. Yeah, here is that too, like our really? version of uh, Palm Beach, Paul? It's smaller. Smaller. It's, it's like a one gate airport. airport. Yeah, one or two gate airport. It is. No, it's much more than one gate. I mean, there's only there's only three airlines technically that fly out of it, but every year they add another airline and then that airline doesn't last much, you know, very long, but it's, it's the Islip MacArthur airport. It sees a lot of traffic, uh, but I don't know. It's just not an international airport. So it's a lot easier to, to go out. So like where I grew up is like 20, 30 minutes from the Islip airport and 20, 30 minutes from JFK and LaGuardia. But well, in theory, you know, 20, 30 minutes to JFK or LaGuardia is going to take you an hour and 45 minutes sometimes. Right. Yeah. So, you know, they're almost equidistant, but the, the Long Island one is just much easier. You're out east a little bit more, so it's a lot easier to get back and forth. But getting direct flights there, Southwest used to have direct flights every day. Now they only have on Saturdays. So we're going to have to do a layover, like, like Coop said. We're going to stop in Baltimore with the two kids and a dog, change planes, on the way there, on the way back, we'll we'll have a direct flight coming back. But I, I don't know. I just, it's just I I dread that drive. The last couple times we did it during COVID, when we really couldn't fly, I said to myself, "I'm never doing this again." Like it, it is the worst thing. Like I, I have anxiety about it. I hate it so much. I hate that road trip. And even though we have places to stop too, we have family along the way. And uh, yeah, we finally like yesterday. I was like, you know what? Forget it. I'm just booking the flights. Who cares? We'll, we'll yeah. figure it out later. You know. I, I just did two of those trips to New York uh, by car, and um, I go the western route down I-81, which kind of takes you through the back end of Virginia. And you avoid yeah, but that states. takes that takes hours and hours longer, doesn't it? It it, it actually it's 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 still faster than going through DC. That's and and it's it's about a hundred miles. Yeah. It's about a hundred miles more, but you will always beat the time. DC is is bad all the time. Yeah, and nine times out of ten, it breaks you. Literally, I mean, no, you're absolutely you right. You, get out of DC, you know, your your yeah. twenty hour trip becomes a twenty three hour trip. Exactly. DC. So we usually plan it so that when we leave at night, we know we're going to be getting through DC before five a.m. That's and that move. usually is my okay. – I usually okay. couldn't go straight through. I don't have to go the, the roundabout ways, any of that. I can just go straight through. But you got to be there before 5 a.m. Like like 4 o'clock, 4.30 is the sweet spot to get through D.C. So you but don't stop. Real, real you don't stop with kids. You just keep going. Kevin Shahan, there is absolutely no oh, yeah. reason whatsoever to have a rental car in Philly. You do not need it. You don't yeah. – you don't, don't need it. Why would you? you don't need it. Unless you, you go to Jersey. Everywhere. Unless you go into Jersey, then you need it. Don't need it. Well, yeah, you, you stay in Philly. They're Florida. probably staying in South Jersey because they well, don't want to stay in Philly. What's that? What's that mean, Paul? I'm yeah. just saying, maybe he doesn't want to stay in Philly. He's a yeah, I never. Florida. If I'm, if I'm going to Philly, I don't rent a car. But if I'm going to like Cherry Hill or something like that, bridge, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you need a car. You do need a car at that point. 
Yeah, you don't want to walk over the, the bridge from uh, yeah, Hill yeah, Philadelphia. yeah. You know, you may yeah. not make it out alive. Oh, you don't want to go near Camden. I mean, Camden, yeah. you want to just avoid. Like, <laughs> Camden's like uh, the police don't even want to be there. Well, wait. With with that being said, our friend Evan is actually putting on a uh, Red Meat Lovers Club dinner in Camden. Um, but fortunately, oh yeah, yeah. But that's part. Yeah, that that. That's, that's not in downtown to... Camden, yeah. Yeah, uh, that's on the riverfront on the battle battle. That's where the ballpark used to be, right? They, they had a minor league uh, baseball they, team yes, right there. I spent did. a lot of time yes, over they there. Did. Yeah. They tried. I mean, it's half decent over there. They put the aquarium there, and yep. and you know, it's a decent one. Just the rest of the city just never caught up. I mean, yeah, that's unfortunate. Right. You can hang out and over there, Atlantic just city. don't go left or right more than two blocks. Yeah, I mean, Atlantic City is the same way, man. Like, don't go two blocks off the board now. I mean, I wouldn't even want to go on the boardwalk, but even back in the day, don't go two off two blocks off the boardwalk. It's a little uh it's a little shady back there. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> All right. Well we have a, a fun show today. Wait. Go ahead. Before we get to our guests Oh boy. We do have a little segment for the next few weeks. Oh, you do? And of course, I have a little note from our friend, Abe Dababna. But first, it's time for Where in the World is Abe Dababna? Ah. So this week, our friend Abe, we have a letter from Abe. Dear Paul, Alex, and Coop, in a heck of a few days here in Amman, Jordan. Catching up with a lot of family I have not seen in over 20 years. Today, the family and I went to Fatty Dab's Burger Shack. I love the name. I yeah, exactly. How perfect. Yeah. I grew up in Chicago with my cousins, Issa and Fadi. Eventually, they moved to Jordan. And about 10 years ago, they opened the hottest, one of the hottest burger joints in the capital city. It was great to take the family there in person. I got to see my cousin Issa and meet his lovely family for the first time. Burger was amazing, too. Not sure if it would have won the burger battle, though. Missing <laughs> the gang, give my regards to John this week and all of our KMA fans. Love, Honest Abe. Nice. Ah, oh, wow. Nice. All right. Did he put a picture that. of the burger? Is there a burger yeah, picture? There it goes. Little fatty dabs. Uh, that looks good. Cooper, do you like yeah. that or no? I, yeah, I do like it. I do like it. I was looking at the, my it's other screen cool, here for a second. Though. Yeah. Yeah, it's it was – that's a, a solid burger. And, uh, you know, my family so happens to run a, you know, basically an American cuisine burger joint in the middle of Jordan. So, you know, yeah, seriously. The, the Babna is like all over. I saw some other pictures Abe had up. I mean, the, the Babna is kind of on him on Jordan, it looks like. Yeah. I mean, all, yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 I mean, I guess yeah, maybe Abe's, a smoke game happening there. I don't know. Yeah. Abe's kind of small potatoes compared to the rest of his conglomerate. Yeah. Yeah. There in Jordan. <laughs> All right. Well, we're excited this week to bring on an old friend of the show, a fellow Disney lover. We'll get to talk to him about that. Oh, as well, don't even go there. Way over exaggerated his. Uh, oh yeah. All right. We'll talk about it. We'll talk. Look about at the it. notes, he, Alex. He, 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 here we go. All right. Here we go. Meet your maker. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it. And stick your head out and yell. It's time to meet your maker. A 
live from just a couple of uh, couple of miles away, a couple of hours off the coast of Florida. It is Mr. Jonathan Carney from La Flor Dominicana in Orlando. John, how you doing, man? Great. Good morning, guys. It was, uh, I almost took a nap there for the first 20 minutes listening to you guys. Oof. Oh. Brutal. Wow. Brutal. So many things I wanted to say. So many things well, I want to throw me throw out shit there. About Abe. I love Abe. I love Abe. I am going to talk some shit. I, this me getting on the show today. This got rescheduled like four times. So Abe intentionally scheduled me when he knew he was going to be gone. I'm just saying that. So first, he, second, he, he, who flies okay. to Islip and complains about the price of the ticket? <laughs> You're going to fly to Islip? Like, oh, it's three times more valuable. expensive. <laughs> it's three times more expensive. No, it's not. It's like 150 bucks to fly to JFK on Delta from everywhere in South Florida. I That's mean, true. Good grief. True. All right, so now I I'm know, angry about deal that. With the hell. What else we got? True. Coop, uh, Coop, Coop, and and Paul brag about all these wondrous vacations they take to Orlando. They, they, they I've never heard. I never hear from when they're up here. I mean, you know, Coop went through town. <laughs> I live here. He he was physically staying and checked in like two miles from my house. So, wow. are you? Are you so you are you go, up in go, Volusia? Do you want to just do this show alone today, just you and I? Because I mean, <laughs> you're you're the just only one I can swear and not be upset about. You know? I, <laughs> are you up in Volusia <laughs> County, Johnny? You up in Volusia County? No, I'm in. Uh, I'm in uh, Orange County. I'm in. Uh, oh, okay. Park. Yeah, because I was saying in Volusia County. That's why. Yeah, he's, he's like yeah, yeah, miles yeah. away from Disney. He's in the the, the, <laughs> cool. the fancy area don't outside. Don't of even go there. <laughs> miles. Well, for you, Paul, there ain't no mountain high enough. <laughs> <laughs> but no. Good morning. I'm glad to be here. I uh, I loved watching Abe's travels. The uh, the thing that was the most fascinating. There's two things that were really fascinating about his trip so far. I can't believe how much English is spoken over there um, in Amman. I guess I guess English is nearly the primary language. I mean, everything's in Arabic and, and English. Uh, so I looked some of that up because I was looking at some of the pictures he posted. And I was like, man, there's tons of English there. And I, I guess it's a really popular tourist destination where you, you can go. It's relatively, you know, very safe and uh, beautiful area. It looks great. And then second was the... Uh, I don't know when you guys. The, the first class on on what Emirates an aristocrat, was awesome. huh? Oh, yeah, oh, that? That was, was so. It jealous. was like a mini lounge so for each person, each kid. Yeah, each right. kid yeah. had one. Oh, it was beautiful. So I was. Those are the two things as a traveler that uh, that I found unique so far that I've been real jealous about. But I'm looking forward to following some more of it. It's been great watching that trip, and, and the cool thing about it is this is not to kiss his ass. He just genuinely appreciates and loves that side of of his life, you know. I'm 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 not saying other people don't love their families. Don't get me wrong, uh, but you you get to really see the passion of of uh, of that time he's spending with the family, and it's it's a really uh, really cool thing to follow along and watch. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, I mean, it's got to be cool, you know. You're uh, flying all the way to the Middle East and come to Jordan, and there's like restaurants with my family name on it and stuff. You know, it's yeah, that's yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah, like cool. your kids too. Imagine your, your kids showing up. I'm gonna take you to Fatty Dabs, and we're gonna eat burgers. Uh, right, so we're right. gonna go to Dababna's liquor store. Yeah, it's right, right, crazy, right. 
<laughs> if I take my kids, if I take my kids back to Italy, we'll be lucky to find a rock, you know, on the farm where my family's from that that may have our name on it. <laughs> yep. But but uh, so wait, listen, let's get this out of the way because we we may as well. We already talked about it a little bit. John, you before before you were into into cigars, you used to work at Disney. You worked at the Contemporary Resort, right, as a bellman. Yeah. So I I started. Actually, so the reason this is relevant is Disney's my second longest job I've ever had other than LFD. So I did this, I've done this for 12 years and I, I had worked for Disney for three. I had other jobs and things in between, but I worked for them for three years uh, part-time. I, I started at Pirates of the Caribbean. I was in the retail store. Um, so that was when I was in college. So I, I worked at the retail store and I used to sell the glow toys that you buy that are violently overpriced um, at the... Uh, during the fireworks show, crazy thing. I, I, when I was doing those glow toys sales, we did like something like $25 million in glow toy sales just in the magic kingdom alone in that, in a year. Oh my God. I mean, it was God. crazy. I'd sell, we had like, we'd have like 15 carts and I, I you'd do like three grand a night in each cart. So you're doing like 45 grand. I don't know if that adds up to 25 million, but you were doing like 40, 50 grand a night just selling these stupid toys between like just with the light up talk and wow. 10. yeah it was crazy and i'm sure it's even even more than that now because the prices are nuts but yeah so i did that then i worked at the contemporary for two years as a uh as a bellman and valet and i still to this day tell people that that was like the best job i ever had because i worked two days a week and i made crazy amounts of cash um the amount of money you clear out of there was nuts. It was so good that Disney outsourced it to a third party, and then they started pulling the tips, so then they could get a crack at at some of the uh, some of the money we were making because it was wild, man, absolutely wild. Paul, this hope be a dream job then. Find yeah, a third we part. were driving. Oh, well, you had guys, <laughs> part time guys that work like two days a week who had no other jobs and, and had bills and things. I mean, we were driving BMWs. I mean, it was absolutely out of control. Uh, right, you know how much you can make just working a few days a week. Yeah, don't underestimate the importance of the bellman and the valet guy. They're they're your source for a lot of things, whether it's Vegas, Disney, or anywhere high end. Those guys know the deal. They're the insiders. D Disney's Disney's huge because you figure everybody's like, oh, we'll just handle it, no big deal. Once you've been on a flight with three or four of your kids, you got 10 or 15 bags. We just talked, you know, you guys were talking earlier about the hell of driving. And a lot of people drive to Disney, too, you yep. know, from a long ways away. Uh, they get there. And once you're there, all you want to do is take a breath and start enjoying the experience. So right. the way that you can enjoy that is by, hey, there's a bellman or valet here. I'm going to give him 40 bucks to take my 10 bags up to my room and make my life less miserable uh, so I can enjoy right. some things. And, you know, 20 bucks went a long way. Uh, and, you know, you're servicing two to 3,000 people a day through a hotel. Uh, you can do the math. Yeah. Wait, All right, wait people give you $40 tips? I severely under-tip oh. bellman. If you have a oh. bigger family, Paul, and, like, there's, like, 15 bags, yeah, you're not giving them, like, five bucks. No, I usually give them like ten. I mean, it depends on how many bags they're doing. Like maybe twenty, but so I geez. my here's nice. here's a couple tricks. My my minimum, my minimum that I was not ticked off about when I was a bellman was if somebody took the effort and you could add it up like two bucks a bag. So if I'm doing five bags, 
10 bucks is right. good and we're taking your stuff out of the car and going up. Uh, I was never upset with that. If you want extra service, you want me to go a little bit above and beyond, 20 bucks is going to get you to give me, I'm going to give you a genuine thank you and I'm going to be there to help you out, you know, when you need it. Like if you walk by, I'm going to recognize you, say hi. Um, right. Hey, is anything you need? Hey, can you grab? Yeah, I'm, I'm there. Anything over 20 bucks and it's not too crazy. Uh, you know, somebody gave me 40 bucks, hey, whatever the heck you need. You know, what do you need me to help you do? Do you want me to, I mean, we would go and do crazy things. And, you know, for, I had a guy that wanted Labatt Blue. So he gave me 40 bucks. I took the company truck and went and got Labatt Blue, brought it back to him. Um, but no, <laughs> you're, you're tipping fine. But the trick on valet, here's the tr trick on valet. When you valet park a car, you know, I think service is not as good as it used to be. Obviously, this was 15, 16, 17 years ago. But people would not tip you on the way in. So your valet, right. they wouldn't give you anything. And that's, that's a lot of people think that. And, you, you know, you can have a discussion in the comments section on this. But why wouldn't you want to tip the person that knows they're going to be driving your car? Right. I would want it. I always tip something on the way in just to secure that my car is going to be in decent shape. I don't want to be a jerk because on the way out, I don't know if I'm getting a tip at all. So I'm taking extra care. And I'm not saying that doesn't happen. Uh, you know, people don't take extra care, but reality is, you know, why would you want, want to tip the person that you know, absolutely that made you saw you face to face and is going yeah. to take your car away. So what I do is I'll usually tip the person on the way in five bucks. And then on the way out, I'll tip them five bucks because I do even, even. But, you know, if you're going to skip on the way out because your car's already gone, you know, that person's already driven it. So I always tip them five bucks, make them feel good on the way in, take care of my car, make sure life's good. And then on the way out, tip the same. Or if you're going to tip less, don't tip, you know, tip less on the way out. Huh. That's actually a good, uh, you know, what's I mean, wrong? Yeah. You know, the problem with Disney now, John, is that a lot of the, the deluxe resorts, the guy that takes your stuff out of your car is not the guy that's bringing it up, even if they're bringing it up right away. So then I'm always confused. Like, I like I try to just take yep. the stuff out of my car and put it on the rack with them, so I don't feel I want to give the guy that's bringing it up to the room taking the stuff out, putting it down in yep. the room, the bigger tip. And like I try to help. Like it's, it's confusing, but it seems so, like it's outsourced, like you said. So that was. So that company that took over was why I left, ended up leaving Disney when I was in college, is they outsourced it to this company called Cars and Bags, uh, which is the same company. Um, they, I believe they, they might be owned by Mears Transportation here, but which makes sense. you used which to when you check in with a valet. Yeah, when you would check in with a valet at Disney, you would check in, and the valet and the bellman were working together, and we all were Disney employees. We were all cast members. So you check in with a valet, and we'd ask you, are you valet parking the car? Yes. Would you like help with luggage? Yes. Okay, so then we would say, we're going to bring a bellman out. They're going to help you with the luggage, and this is going to be the person that brings it up to your room if the room's ready. If not, it's going to be stored, whatever. So the valet, we would let them know this person's going to be taking care of your bags. So they would take the bags out. They would take them up. So there was a distinction of who was what and no big deal, right? Now that it's outsourced, they're both hungry. <laughs> they both want to get paid. So it's it's kind of a crapshoot. And you can identify that they're two different companies if you're smart you know, and savvy a little bit with the, the process that it works. But at the end of it, it's not. It's like, who do I tip? Who do I do this? My recommendation on that level identify who the valet is, the person bringing the bags up. 
if that person and you're at a Disney resort, if that person that takes your car is held with the bags, they don't work for Disney. They work for the outsourced company. Give them a few bucks. Hey, thank you. Appreciate it. The bellman's going to be the person that's the cash member that brings up, uh, brings that stuff up to you. Tip the bellman better. They're doing a little harder work. Okay. That's good to know, man. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a strange situation sometimes. Then you got to pay 40 bucks a night to, to valet your car. And that's always an issue too. But. So it's, so <laughs> it's, it, it, it is wildly expensive. That, that whole, as things are getting expensive, I mean, the, the, the cost of doing a Disney vacation is just out of control. And I, it, yeah. it's, I don't know how I, it's shocking to me. I mean, this must be the vacation of a lifetime for most of these families that are going down there unless, you know, people have good jobs, making good money. Um, you know, but for a gen, for, you know, middle-class family to drop $10,000 for four people for a week, that's a friggin' ton of money uh, yeah. to go down there and uh, to come down here. Um, it's nuts. I'm, I'm fortunate that, you know, we live close. My wife loves it. I grew up going to Disney World. I'm not as wild about it as you are, Paul. I am a fan, um, and I respect it. But I'm glad we live close. I was thinking about that the other day. I'm like, I, go, I don't have to stay at a resort. I don't have to do this. I don't have to do that. Uh, we can just go to the park with an annual pass, and, and it's great. But it's really expensive uh, to do those types of things. It's expensive to do a lot of things now. I mean, everything's more expensive. It's nuts. How long have you lived in anyway. Orlando, John? <laughs> so I, I moved back up here uh, in August of last year, in 2021. Got married. Baby came in October. So I moved back up here in August. I moved down here originally in 2003. So I was here from 2003 to 2011. And then I moved back up to the Northeast with LFE for a few years and then moved to Miami uh, in like 2014. 2015. So I lived in, I grew up in Orlando where? for about nine to 10 years. I'm from Maine originally. Okay. That's why you're always going up there. Yeah, that's why I'm up there. We won't be up there as much this summer uh, because the baby's still, uh, you know, still nursing and we can't travel separately and independently. She needs to be with her mother. Um, right. So we won't be up there as much this year, but uh, we, we will be spending more time there next year as the baby gets older. But uh, yeah, that's why I spend time in, in the Northeast and why it gets confusing to people of where I live because I'm all over the place. And then it looks like I have a house in both places because I, I do. <laughs> oh, How old Nothing the baby, wrong with John? that? Baby's uh, seven and a half months now. It's going by quick. She uh, she just started sleeping with no assistance. She, she stopped her swaddle at like three and a half months. And then we use these little suits we called super suits. And uh, last night was her first night not sleeping in the super suit. So she's... Uh, She's growing up real quick. We actually, I got this picture of us this morning that my wife sent to me, which was a really cute picture of uh, of the two of us. They tell you not to do this, but I don't really care. If, uh, if this is going to give her bad things and cause her to be a bad person when she's 18, that's going to be her problem, not mine. But we had a really good time hanging out. And this is her sleeping this morning without her little super suit on. She came in and hung out with me. So that was real fun. Nice. Yeah, they always tell you not to do that, but everybody does. How could you not? Could yeah. You not? Well, especially in the yeah in the morning, like when the kids are yeah, yeah. They, you get some more sleep in when they when they if they come into exactly. bed with you. So yeah, we still do it. My kid, my son is uh, going to be four, and he wakes up every morning, no matter what time we put him to bed, religiously at five thirty, six o'clock in the morning. I'm not waking up that early. I'm, listen, I don't work out anymore. Exactly. In the mornings for years. 
So he comes in, he sits down, he puts the TV on, he sits between us. We, I go back to sleep. He watches whatever the hell he's watching, you know, the Bubble Guppies or some stupid show, and we get an extra forty-five minutes till the other kid wakes up. Just curious, is she drinking formula at all, John? No, no, no. Lucky you. No, all lucky yeah. you. Yeah, very lucky. lucky you. That was because it is a nightmare. My, my, right now, my wife's very much, um, very much focused on health and eating and. She's vegetarian, and the baby will eat meat as well eventually. You know, she could try and make her own decisions, but uh, she's really dialed in with a lot of health stuff. So when it was when we were making the, not it wasn't even really a decision. It was just instantly like, what are we going to do? She's like, well, unless unless I physically can't do it, I'm going to breastfeed. The benefits from it are huge, and yeah, the formula shortage going on right now. I, I can't imagine being in that situation trying to find food for your baby. At a young age, as they get a little older, you know, seven, eight months, six months, they can eat some different things. So you could supplement right. a little. I couldn't imagine having a one-month-old or two-month-old that, that I'm feeding formula and I can't find the formula they want. And the baby, by the way, too, this is not a challenge. It's like, well, they can just try a different formula. They might not like it and might not eat it. And what are you going to do, force a two-month-old to just drive formula down their throat? I mean, it's, it's absurd. You can't. Listen, yeah, man, Mike, exactly. 11 months. Maybe he, he eats food, but maybe he has a bottle or two a day. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, you can't. You can't just switch that formula up. I mean, that might not sit right. They, their digestive tract isn't developed. Oh, yeah, they're very sensitive. Like you said, yeah. I have no idea what, you know, someone with a two- or three-month-old that it can't breastfeed is doing yeah. right now. We, I, situation. we couldn't – my wife couldn't breastfeed for any of our four kids, so we were actually thinking about that, you know. Wow, we – what would we have done? Right. What no, a shortage. So, yeah, I feel for you guys. I feel for anyone with that, yeah. Yeah, it's not It's not just, uh, there's no whole milk. I'll grab a 2%. You know, yeah. It doesn't work that yeah. way before yeah, so no, it's been it's been excellent, man. The baby's she's been a blast, and uh, she's a great little she's a great little kid, and she's she's been sleeping really well. We uh, we we all the COVID went through the house about three weeks ago, so we're you know she kind of got still getting over that with some of the side effects and whatever. But besides that, and the little sleep regressions here and there, um, you know, my wife's been doing a great job with it, and takes a lot of pressure off me. I, I'd say the hardest thing at seven to eight months, and people that have kids and you guys you'll know this all of you guys will identify with it is like right now I, I kind of feel bad because in the evening time you know once the baby's gone to sleep when she wakes up at night the last person the baby wants to see or needs to see is me you're working 100 percent. yeah but i try to tell my wife i'm like babe i, I want to help more at night but i if i go in there I'm, i'll be i'll go sit and have her cry at me for nine hours I go, but she wants you need and needs you right now. I go, and that will change, you know, or, you know, she gets older, you know, she'll have preferences, but, you know, I can go in there when she's two or three years old and make a difference right now. She wants, she wants titty, <laughs> you know, that's I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's, what it is. When they breastfeed, when they breastfeed, you're useless at, at night mm -hmm. at that point. Listen, no. that's fun. That's literally advice that I give to friends, everybody having new baby. Listen, as a guy for the first six months, you're absolutely worthless. You help where you can. They'll start coming around and enjoy you. But still, you know, mom is, is the go to. You know, you can't you can't really give much. You can do your little bit of help. But especially <coughs> at night, like you said, you're just utterly worthless. Baby has no, no use for you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But you, now you're you're traveling a bit more now too, John. So you're you know, 
that's that's got to be uh, that's got to be difficult. But after the whole pandemic craziness, I mean, you used to be on the road quite a bit. Are you back to a normal schedule traveling? There will never. I'll never go back to what I was doing. the The cigar industry had, you know, this this routine. I guess that if you were in a, in a vice president of sales position, director of sales, national type thing, international, whatever. I was like a competition who could travel the most. Rocky probably started it. And, uh, you know, I think right now, you know, Juan Lopez, Terrence Riley, those guys are all over the place all the time. Yep. But yeah. Yeah. Before the pandemic hit, I mean, I was, I was probably traveling just as much, if not more than, than most of them. And, uh, at least equal, uh, you know, I, in 2019, I had 297 hotel nights and 176 flights. And in 2020, that went down wow. to 40 hotel nights and and like 36 flights because of COVID. And then last year, I probably had I had probably about 80 or 90 hotel nights and probably 100 flights. So it'll probably stick around to, to that amount. Where you know, I'm most likely you're looking at probably 100 to 150 max days out on the road. Um, the last seven months has been a little different because of the baby. I've traveled a little bit different than I had an augmented schedule, but my, my travel schedules just picked back up again last week. I launched, uh, you know, our new our new season of the Gourmet Smoke Sessions, the Tour de Mundo. That's my event program that I've done on the road. We had big success with that last year. So I just launched that last week, and I was gone. I had 12 flights and three events in five days. And uh, I was like, man, this is what I used to do every single week. And I came back, and I was exhausted. So yeah. fortunately, I work for a brand where the supply and what we make, we make a set amount of cigars and we do grow every year. This year is going to be very significant growth. Um, and Steve Saka brought it up on Coop Show on Thursday. And I, I happened to just churn in. I, you have like spider sense. Like I, I happened to tune in and Saka was talking about LFD. I, I mean, I don't normally even tune in at midnight, but I tune in. Uh, so we're going to make a significant <laughs> more amount of cigars this year. But generally, we make a set amount. So there's, you know, there's my schedule can be set to, Hey, this is how much I'm going to travel. This is the impact it's going to have. And especially with those events, right. um, it's a little more, uh, a little more organized and it's just not necessary to be out there as much. So really the pandemic on a work side for me uh, at the long-term effects of it really scaled back my schedule significantly and, and changed the way that I, that I operate. Uh, so that was kind of a blessing in disguise. I would have much preferred that not happen and not be where I'm at now and have that blessing. But uh, since it did happen, you can only deal with uh, what's in front of you. And for me, that worked out fortunately quite well. You know, John, we were talking about the factory and uh, the factory, I think when you came on and, and I was telling people, I said, when I was down there, when you and I were down there, the factory was at a hundred percent full, full, full steam ahead. I mean, you guys were a lot of work was going on down there. So I think any, you know, it seems like you guys are back on track with that right now. We're, we're making an additional million cigars this year and that million cigars will be from that additional million will be from May, which just happened to the end of the year. So it's not even the full year. So we'll be making an additional million cigars from the middle of May to the end of the year other than what we made last year at the same time. It was interesting with Saka because that, that conversation he had uh, and what he was mentioning or was when he was kind of talking about the scope of his business. Um, that was from just a random conversation that he and I had had about, man, I'd say probably three, four months ago. It was just in passing. 
I'd said something to him about, you know, we were talking about the size of what he does and, and he said something, Oh, he's like, I'm not even close to what you are. And I said, well, I go, you're, you're not too far off of where we'd been during the pandemic. Um, Cause we'd been flat really for three years. And he was like, wow. He's like, I had no idea. And I was like, I thought, I think it really kind of put it into perspective for him of what he was achieving. And it was kind of it was yeah. interesting to hear him uh, reference something we had talked about um, just kind of in passing, but you guys just posted a picture of the factory with the, uh, Statue of Liberty holding up a, a cigar with a Scotch whiskey. Uh, that's one of the highlights of our of our of our factory, and uh, it, it's a really it's a, there's a lot of land around it that we're slowly picking up. Um, so there is there is room for potential expansion, but we don't just expand for the sake of expanding. Uh, there was a big demand increase, and yes, there's a lot of retailers and consumers. I can't get this. I see all the sarcastic remarks online. Um, you know, I'd rather have people upset they can't get it as often as they want rather than have it be subpar and then have to give it away at, you know, buy three, get one free, and, you know, That's 50% off deals and blowouts. I have no issue with that stuff. It's just, I don't want my brand, you know, and the brand that I represent that Lido built and his wife to, to be in that position. Um, so we don't just grow for the sake of growing. We grow when we can and it's practical. It takes time. Uh, this last expansion took us, you know, took three and a half years for us to be able to be in a position to do that. But once we, when we do grow, you see it quick. Tell us a little bit about the gourmet sessions because you've been posting a lot about it. Um, what what goes on at these events, man? So it's kind of funny because um, there's a lot of there's a lot more food events going on. It seems like in the industry. Now and uh, you know, obviously Evan and I are very close with Red Meat Lovers Club too, and there's a lot of similarities in what we do. But how this really started was about ten years ago. I started doing in-store cooking events as a sales rep for LFD. Uh, the events I did were called the Night in Santiago, and I would cook everybody a Dominican-style dinner. Prior I had no to the idea. Event. Yeah, huh. so so it's funny because I'll, I'll do some events and have people like, "Oh, that's." That's interesting. You're doing cooking events now that everybody's doing. I was like, ah, I've been doing this for like 11 years. Um, and so we do the Dominican style dinner. And then I would take people on a virtual and farm and factory tour. And so I had a video and I'd take them through there. They'd have the dinner. And uh, lo and behold, everybody at the event would say, well, where did this food come from? It was great. I enjoyed it. And uh, they're like, oh, he cooked it. And they're like the guy from the cigar company. And they're like, yeah, so... It was really successful and it changed what I was doing as a rep. And then we kind of rolled that out with some of our sales managers. This was probably eight years ago. And they were starting to do the virtual farm tours and things themselves. So we, we did a little rollout of the night in Santiago. I took a step back um, in the cooking side of it because my, my job changed significantly. And uh, we were doing a lot of adjustments internally in terms of uh, uh, employee retention, new sales managers, new concepts on the road trying to, to move from being the revolving door of salespeople to starting to see more consistent faces. Um, so my job really changed, uh, but we rolled that concept out to the other salespeople. Then the pandemic hit and we started the Hacking Gourmet Show, which, which really was to build a reputation and uh, a base of this is why we're able to cook food or this is why I'm able able to come and do a cigar event that involves food. Uh, so it created a brand and a base to, to springboard for potentially in the future in-person events after the pandemic ended and during the pandemic virtual cooking sessions that we did. 
So we did 16 of them. Uh, well, actually, we did 15 of in the first season of the Hacking Gourmet, La Florida Minicana Gourmet Smoke Sessions. Um, the grand finale of season one is yet to happen. But I was going to ask you about that. Season two had to start. <laughs> yeah. So the, the grand finale will be with, with Corona Cigar Company, and we're doing a cigar with uh, FSG tobacco in it. Uh, so we're making an LFD FSG tobacco gourmet smoke session cigar. But we had some issues shipping the tobacco out of the country, um, and it got it, – it, it was just a, a mess. So the tobacco really didn't show up at our factory until February, and the plan was to do the grand finale in February or March. Uh, obviously, that got pushed back. Uh, so I had to start season two. So season two, which is which is really unique, is there's uh, five cigars uh, that we have that are paired with the five dishes from different cigar growing and tobacco growing regions from around the world. So each dish is paired with one of the cigars from each of the packs um, that that they have at the in-person sessions. And there will be some virtual uh, virtual sessions and some virtual sides of it. Uh, we won't be streaming live at every single event like we did last year. The main reason for that is um, setting up cigars and cooking for 100 people. And then the hardest thing to do is to do a live broadcast directly in the middle of the dinner event um, and add one more thing to the plate. So we're going to be doing a little bit less live broadcasts than we do do them. Um, there'll be some different concepts with it where we'll be doing – we have a sommelier we're working with that we'll be doing wine pairings, pairing with the cigars, oh, awesome. and then we'll be doing some instructional cooking. Yeah, so there's a lot of fun things. So that's, that's why I want to really focus on – when we do do a virtual uh, broadcast on it, I want it to be really enjoyable and, and really focus on the culinary side of it. Um, and, and, and at the same time, it's just too much effort to do on my end. It's too much work to do a live broadcast right in the middle when I'm cooking for a hundred people. And for every single time you're doing it. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. so is your, do you have a culinary background, John? Yeah, I, I grew up, I grew up in the restaurant business. My family, uh, owned three restaurants. We had a pizza store. We had a upscale casual uh, family dining restaurant, and we had a seasonal ice cream bar uh, up in the northeast. We call them uh, dairy bars. So we did ice creams. Uh, we had a full menu. We have a secret family onion ring recipe, burgers, fries, you name it. Um, pretty much, you could if you if you took five guys and Shake Shack and put it together, that would be really what the snack shack was but one of our businesses and uh so yeah i grew up in that and i started i started working there when i was like 10 washing dishes and i started cooking as a short order cook at at the snack shack location the seasonal one i was like 13 uh, so i grew up in that and i was around it my, my undergraduate degree is in hospitality management and right, uh, right so i that's what led me into working for disney and then in between disney and here i worked for darden restaurants uh, for a short period of time too so yeah wow. I, I have a culinary background but it, i don't have a culinary degree i have a very close to a culinary degree but i, I guess they consider you a, a professional if you get paid to do it so i i call myself yeah. a chef i don't have the degree for it but i, I can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with a lot of people so would you would you think that someday in your future or a restaurant would be a a dream for you <laughs> It, it, it's it's going to be it's a dream and it's not something that's ever going to happen. Uh, the <laughs> I'll be very honest and I'll lay it out. Um, LFD has been very good to me. It, it's it's been kind of funny throughout the pandemic because I, I'll say one of the comments from 
that you'll get from agitated retailers or consumers, which rightfully so, you know, I can't explain everything in depth about how our company works. I can't sit there and show people our financials of how, you know, right. we did very well for the last two years and they still couldn't get cigars. Um, I, I do very well with that. And, and I say to people, I'm like, do you think I would be, do I look like the type of person that would work for somebody that, that wasn't selling the thing that I was paid to sell? Um, yep. You know, or, or do you think I'd be getting paid if we didn't have something to sell? Like the fact that I'm around means that things are going well. Cause I'll tell you, if it wasn't and I, and we weren't making cigars and we weren't selling anything, I would go find another job because the writing would be on the wall. I would, I, you know, my goal is to be here for as long as I can. And, uh, you know, I've become part of the family and, and a part of the brand, which has been great. Um, but to duplicate what I'm doing in a restaurant and to be able to supplement that would take hundreds of hours of work a week. And, and you, it's, it's brutal, man. It's to, to make real money. You on one restaurant takes incredible amounts of time and it would right. violently change my lifestyle. But if I would, the way to do that is to be able to grab something and scale it. If you have a business plan and a restaurant that you can scale, uh, you know, to, if I can go from one restaurant to five in a year or two, or I can go from five restaurants to a hundred in five to 10 years, that's a different story. And that's really where the success is. Um, so you either gonna have something really high end um, or very different or, you know, upscale casual. That's a new concept that takes a lot of work to make real money. Uh, or you could have something that, uh, that can scale real quick. And in, in today's economy, um, and the way that society is now here in the U.S., I mean, there's no sit-down portion. It'd have to be some sort of a fast food drive-through thing, um, quick service pickup. And I don't really have the desire to do something like that. You know, the passion for me is in high-end food, and there's, there's, there's no avenue uh, that I would go down where that would make any sense. I'm also not a celebrity chef, so you know, the the effort that goes into that's crazy. So no, absolutely not. Do I have any desire to do that? Um, I, I grew up in it. I see how much work it takes. I'm very happy working where I'm working now. And, and, and reality is Lido put in 28 years with his wife to build the brand to where it's at now. And I've had the fortunate opportunity to be part of it for 12 years, which is a significant portion of the time it's been there. And I, I appreciate him for putting in that effort because I know what it takes. I've seen it. I've been part of it growing up. Um, and to, to do that, to do that at almost 40 is one insane. And two, uh, I think would, uh, take away from all the effort and things that I put in the last 12 years. Well, and you've, you've become very close to the Gomez family too. I mean, we've, we've had Lito on the show a couple of times, you know, we got to meet him in person one time and another time, you know, uh, live from the Dominican, he was on the show and, and he talked very much about how close you've, you've become to the family as well. Um, the good, I mean, he basically said like the good, the bad and the ugly, you know, you guys have, you guys have kind of been through it all. So, that's that's cool when you can say that with a company, I think. Yeah, you know, when I when I started with LFB, I just turned twenty seven and now I'm now I'm pushing forty. And you know, I kinda I was at a when I started I was at a phase, a really transitional phase in my life. So I kinda grew, you know, with them through a, a you know, a, a big part of my life and a big part of the business. And I was thinking about this the other day. When when this company turns thirty years old, I will have been here half of the time the company has existed. Uh, wow! Which is interest, which is interesting, and I never really, I literally thought about that the other day because somebody mentioned it on something I was watching, 
And they're like, oh, I've been here for 60% of the time. I was like, I wonder how long I've been here. So I started doing the numbers. And I'm like, what? I'm like, wow, 30 years I will have been here half of the time the business has existed. Um, and it was real pivotal times of growth. And I mean, in the time, time that I started to where we're going to be at the end of this year, we will have almost doubled in size. Um, wow. And it's a huge testament to what Lido's done. You know, people ask me the same thing, like, oh, do you ever want to make your own cigars? I'm like, absolutely not. I know how much effort goes into that. I'm really happy that I work and represent somebody that that's went through the really tough parts of making the cigars and, and is able to make the ones we make now where, you know, where we're having challenges to keep up. Uh, he, he, he was really honest with us, right, Coop, when he was on the on our yeah. show. He, he said, he basically said, I think, I mean, almost quoting him, we fucked up a lot in the beginning. You know, he talks about throwing out 15,000 cigars and, you know, yeah. like. Yeah. <laughs> he, when we were in, John, when we were, we were in the, um, the room with the tobacco bales and Lito was telling the whole story of, about that, it was, um, it was, like I said, He's told it at the factory as well, Paul, a similar story. And, and yeah. I'll say something. Lito is like – Lito's in his element down there. I mean, John, he he is he just loves what he's doing. You, you can see this man loves what he's doing. And it's 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 kind of wild, right? Because yeah. he's, he's in his mid to late 60s. He's got the energy of like a – he's got more energy than, than I've seen of anyone in that yeah. age range. And – he really does love it. You know, there'll be times where there's, there's things that I'll, I'll email off to Tony, you know, the factory, or I'll go through, you know, with my assistant because I need something explained in more in depth Spanish than I am uh, able to speak. And it'll, something will go wrong with it. Okay. So it gets kind of screwed up and I, I just didn't want to bother him with it. And he'll call me up and he's like, Hey, Carney, I go, because I'm dealing with such and such right now. And I'm like, okay. And uh, he's like, what did you want to do with it? And he's like, oh, he's like, oh you should have just called me. He's like, I was like, well, I didn't want to bother. He's like, no, not a bother at all. Like, he doesn't mind anything to do with the business at all at any period of time. There's nothing. He doesn't take a day off because in his mind, his day off is going into work. Uh, you know, it, right. if he doesn't go and have a cigar in the morning and start looking at what he, uh, projects he's got working on, you know, he's not doing what he loves. You know. No way. I, I, I always yeah. more it, uh, uncomfortable for him than, than being there. I always loved the Bellicoso story, <laughs> <laughs> and and he's upfront and honest about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I named the cigar yeah. Bellicoso, and he still names it that. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. He still names it that, and it comes up. Man, it comes up all the time. Every time we send one, uh, anytime we send a Bellicoso, it, it literally even the people that have had it before, like this isn't the right cigar. So I go ahead and tell him the story that it was named that because he just liked the name that it's the way that it sounded. Um, so he named the cigar the Bellicoso, and there it is, right? Absolutely. Yeah, you know the other thing I'll say about Lito, he mentioned his energy. I mean, and John, you've seen it. If you have guys haven't been to Pro Cigar and see Lito, like basically at Pro Cigar partying, uh, I cannot keep up with him. I can tell you that. I mean, the only person this last year that kept up with was Carl Malone, and he's a professional athlete. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and people are like, oh, he's yeah, retired. I don't know. Have you seen Carl Malone lately? The guy's Jack. He's in incredibly yes. great shape. He was the only one that could keep up with Lito at the, uh, at the best. Yeah, oh, that's true. That's true. Nestor's the you other know, guy who really it's could. Been, yeah. It's been really fun. Yeah, yeah, Nestor's there. But, um, yeah. He, 
but you know, but Lido's running a farm. This is not a knock on Nestor. So if anybody's listening, I'm not knocking right. on Nestor. This is just where I was going. He runs a farm. He runs a factory. He's got a tin company. He's got seven billion yeah. things going on. This last year, he decided to make ashtrays. Um, and so if you see the, if you see our astronomy ashtrays that he built, yeah, we're going to get into uh, he, that. Yeah, he made those things. Yeah, we'll talk about. I want to talk. Those. Yeah, we want to talk yeah. about it in the next Basically, hour. Made them. Yeah, so we'll talk about the yeah, So we'll get into that, but but I'll leave that for that. But uh, but yeah, no, it's just been really fun, and there's a lot of unique things going on. You know, another one which I think we'll probably get into is the NFT. I'm smoking the, the Golden Bowl today. Um, it's just always something fun and exciting going on that, that shows you that, that that he has true passion for. It. And and I'll tell you, it's the same thing that I look at. This is not brown nosing because I'll talk shit about Abe if I if I have to. It's the same thing with him. Abe must really like what he's doing if he's interacting with like four thousand consumers. And same thing with you, uh, with you, Alex. If you guys are interacting with all these people on your off time, your free time, I, I mean that's really passion. And there's always something new going on. You know, I brought a Connoisseur Club cigar with me too. Um, packaging on that—that's that, packaging that was made because made from somebody that's really passionate about something. It wasn't just we're going to do a Connoisseur Club and put some cigars together. Same thing with the cigar of the month. Um, you know, I can't always participate in all the ideas and concepts that happen, but it doesn't mean that we don't sit there and look at them and respect them. And, uh, you know, it's the same type of thing. People that are doing constantly new things and putting a lot of passion, it's noticeable. Um, and it's great to see that. No, absolutely. I mean, you know, without the passion, it, it really, your job just loses its fun without the ability to do new things and think of new things. You just, it just becomes groundhog. Day. Yeah. I feel like yeah. any job. Yeah. Yeah. It's bo It's boring. All right. We're going to get, we're going to come back, uh, speak more with John Carney. We want to talk about the, uh, we want to talk about the NFT. We want to talk about the ashtrays. Um, we're going to do name that jam. We're going to play. Would you rather? Uh, and we're going to of course get to the scoop with coop, but before we do that, we're going to take a break. So keep, Oh, wait, hold on. See, now I'm giving myself the lead in time and I'm still not ready. I'm for blowing it. it. <laughs> All right. We'll be back after this. Keep it lit. The H Oven, Nicaragua by AJ Fernandez. The original versus the heritage. What's the difference between the two? The H Oven, Nicaragua, AJ Fernandez Heritage. The story of AJ Fernandez coming from Cuba, raised by his grandmother out there has a lot of love for the country, but also he loves tobacco and he loves his new area where he bought his farm called Finca La Lilia, named after his grandmother, Farm of Lily. So he's got the love of tobacco, he's got the love of Cuba, and he's got the love of, of Nicaragua. Let's put them all together. So that tells the story of this triple fermented Brazilian Matafina wrapper and AJ estate grown Nicaraguan binders and fillers, creating a beautiful array of some sweetness, soft leather, little bit of spice with nice aroma notes of black pepper and earth tones. We hope you go out and enjoy this one that it really tells the story of AJ, his love of Cuba, Nicaragua, and H oven. So please go out and try one. I think you'll thoroughly enjoy it. H oven, Nicaragua, AJ Fernandez, Heritage. Hey babe. Yeah? I'm almost out of wine and I wanna order some online. Where should I order from this time? KMAWines.com, of course. KMAWines.com? What's that? What's that? What's that? Hold on a second. 
Let me show you. You see, KMA has teamed up with Bonner Fine Wines to offer KMA listeners a fantastic deal on a Malbec three-wine sampler. You see, here is their famous Malbec grown at an altitude of 8,950 feet. Three wines from the edge of the world. An old French Malbec variety no longer found in Europe. These three wines, 200 years in the making, yours, KMA listeners, for 53% off. Normally $130, but like I said, KMA listeners get 53% off that makes it $69.99. So what do you think? I think we should order. I agree. And done. Welcome back to KMA Talk Radio. I am your, I guess, pseudo-host, Paul DeGracco. Uh, joined by, of course, the goat, the coopster, and our special meet your maker guest today, John Carney from La Flor Dominicana. <laughs> hey, guys. Guys, I, I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to... Gonna I'm going to be honest. I'm going to request that every show that I do on KMA have no Abe on it. As a guy that likes to talk, it's it's great not having him on the show. Like I'm going to say, he's got much better stories than I've got. So he, I like it's like I get to be the highlight today, and you know, and Abe's aura isn't overtaking me. <laughs> oh man. Uh, I'm sure he, well, actually he may not be watching now, but he will listen and watch later. So uh, good luck with that, John. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, so, yeah, when he uh, calls me up to ask for different dates, I'm going to say, you know, Abe, can we find one specifically that you may or may, that you may be out of town? I, I just think it'd be better. <laughs> Please. He's out of town for what, five weeks now? So he's never going to be out of town again for the next like five years. Right. You're not going to get a day. He's going <laughs> to going to work hard for the next 10 years um all right so we have a new we have a new segment on the show it's called name that jam we want to get into it john the way it works is um we'll play you a short segment of a song and your job is to guess what song and what artist that is uh the audience can help we got what alex like 30 percent of people have gotten it right so far yeah. so don't feel bad if you can't get it but uh, let's get into the Name That Jam intro. All right, John, like I said, it's real simple. We're going to play you a very quick clip of a song. We play it a second time if you need it. Uh, and we're going to test your musical acumen. How do you, how you feeling right now? You're a music guy, right? I'm, I mean, I like music. I, I just don't, I don't feel very good about this at all. <laughs> good. That's the way we like it. All right, here's your clip. <laughs> Oh, that's a softball. That's, that's a softball. I felt it was. I almost said this is a little too easy. This was a softball. Compared to some of the ones we've had, that's a softball. I thought I thought that was just another another seg like another intro to the segment. <laughs> <laughs> we can play it again. I'll play it I would again. play it again because I think he, I think you'll get it, John. 
All right, here we go. Uh, Dreamweaver? All right, let's see. I got a lot of people saying, uh, uh, guessing correctly with you. They're saying the same thing. So let's see. I mean, that's the only thing that comes to mind for me. Let's see the reveal. All right. Well, not bad, man. Did you? Did You're you right. I'm gonna. I'm gonna uh, no, I cheated. Absolutely, I cheated. Come on. I got yeah. the comments section right here, yeah. and I I played it off a dreamweaver. <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> I knew Matthew Tobacco would get it, so I saw his pop up first, and I, I just went with it. There yeah, no, is. but in full disclosure, I completely lied. <laughs> well that was name that jam presented by our good friends at avo cigars uh i don't know abe's little uh, liner that he made for them so let's just say avo cigars and great music go together there, there we go. go so well actually you know speaking of of matthew tobacco since he helped you with that um i was saying i i think i was talking to, to matthew a little while ago but it's been nice to see you back on smoking tobacco a little bit more lately tell us about that project man like what what how did that start you know it seems like you're more of a fixture again on the show so i'm just uh, i'm just plugging in over here on the side we got some inclement weather headed our way so oh, good no, man. matthew and i matthew and i became very close during the pandemic and it's it's interesting kind of how we ran into each other so right before covid hit um there we go Right before COVID hit, I had run into Matthew in New Hampshire, and he and I just sat down and kind of talked and hit it off a little bit. And then all of a sudden, the pandemic hit, and Matthew was talking about how he was going to start doing some uh, some live streams on Instagram. Instagram Live was the was the fun thing at the time. All right. By the way, by the way, this is why you look like you're on an island. Yeah here is disney world and you get to see the fireworks every night so wow this is my mother-in-law's house and it's just a beautiful little area so right now i look like i'm on vacation which is great but back to matthew so we uh <clears throat> we went live on an instagram thing and when the pandemic hit nobody really knew what was going on you guys had the social light lounge there um so you jump into that time so matthew and i went live and then we kind of ended up hanging out every night for about two weeks on instagram live and then we jump around together from room to room and he had the smoking tobacco website and he was posting things with that and so i said to him like why don't we i go why don't we just do our own show i go we're hanging out every night we might as well do our own show and again it started out awful i was producing it it was it was terrible um i we had we had the mayday mayday eve massacre where i was trying to put on a mayday eve special and then i realized i had to upgrade my computer upgrade wi-fi and all that stuff in the remote area main so we just became real close we started the show um his fiance nicole uh, was involved uh, got involved in it they got uh, they started dating right around the same time that we started the show and uh and then the world kind of slowly got back to normal and i wasn't available as much 
And, and originally we were doing the shows in different days of the week, but Wednesday was the day that we set on. And generally I'm pretty much available almost every single Wednesday. And then with scheduling challenges and whatnot, um, the show moved to Thursdays, which for people in the cigar business, uh, that's why the Kiss My Ash is so great. I know it started as talk radio on radio stations, but Saturday mornings were generally, you know, people in the cigar business in my, my role are generally available. Uh, right. Even you know the, the the owners and the principals of the company are available, uh, but Thursday is like one of the toughest nights because there's a lot of shows, and there's a lot of media shows that started. Um, so those are on Thursdays, and then also our events. Uh, Thursday is traditionally the best event night uh, for a cigar shop because Friday and Saturdays are usually the busiest days, and then Thursdays aren't as busy, but people are available. Um, so I hadn't been on as much because of events, but yeah, the last two or three months I've been on four or five shows back again and. Uh, so it's been nice to be back part of it. And I, I always really enjoy being on there. And I think our guests do too. And, uh, the, you know, it, it brings a unique dynamic uh, to, to the interactions between Matthew and I. But, but that's how we connected up, man. As I said, uh, you know, there's some people, Matthew and I joke around internally about it. The people are like, how the hell did, how the hell did uh, this random young guy who started smoking tobacco become friends with the vice president of LFE Cigars and why are they doing a show together? Right. And, I mean, dude. The pandemic hit and he was like the only person that reached out to me and we were hanging out so we we jump around we were like a package deal there for like a month in every little chat room and zoom lounge um so we took the package deal made it official and started a show that's a cool little cool little story matt uh actually gives you full credit for the inception of the smoking tobacco show hey I couldn't do it without his last name, uh, but it, it but it gave us, it, you know, I was the push behind it, and it, it gave us the uh, the little push we needed to go forward with it. And you know, he and Nicole have taken it to an entirely different level um, as I've stepped back. I, I really haven't been in, except as a, uh, you know, as a co-host and co-founder or whatever. Uh, you know, really, when I'm on the show now, I I'm just showing up. Uh, you know, I, I have very little. And if anything to do with, with much of the show anymore other than being part of it and promoting it um, and things like that. So what, what they've done with it and where they've taken it's been great. Um, the the branding of it's fantastic. I, I think they've built a really great reputation for it. And, uh, you know, I, it's funny because I'll go into places now. I'll run into shops and people identify me as the guy from the smoking tobacco show. And I'm like, <laughs> I go, that's a riot. Um, you know, and we got a lot of listeners and people that follow it and follow all the things that we do. Um, and, you know, and the biggest testament to the growth they had, I mean, we just raised $51,000 with the match from Fuente for the Cigar Family Charitable Foundation. We're already planning and discussing next year, but that's a really big deal. Even without the match, twenty twenty five thousand dollars yep. mm -hmm. um, I mean, just think about that. That's, that's literally insane to see uh, where, you know, Two and a half years ago was a little show that we were throwing together on our cell phones, and then, you know, less than three years later, we're raising fifty fifty thousand dollars plus right. uh, for yeah. uh, for you know a really really great charity foundation. Forget about just the cigar side of it and that they're founding. I mean, it's a great charity foundation. Period. So that that's a it's great to be able to to contribute to that and be a part of that, and it's really a, an honor and special and. And uh, it's a testament to what Matthew and Nicole have done growing it uh, yep. since the last two and a half years. Fundraising is not easy, 
by the way, and what they've done, amazing. I mean, they grew to they they. It's seven times the amount of donations from the last time around, and when they did, when you guys did seven thousand in two thousand twenty-one, everyone was wow. I mean, a show one year old did this. Now it's fifty-one thousand, and yeah. uh, and look, right. I know Fuente's matched half of that, but but still, they had to get to that point. It's an amazing yeah. job they did. I'll tell you too. One thing that's really unique is, other than the initial setup of the show and uh, the broadcasting program and things we use and some original, some initial artwork. <clears throat> I mean, I do the I do the entry the entry music the entry theme because I, I do uh after I know After Effects, um, so I make that stuff. But other than that, I'm I'm not I'm not Ma Matthew. <laughs> when we smoked Andalusian Bulls on the show, uh, he bought those. I, I I don't I don't give him things. Um, he buys them. I don't, uh, I don't hook him up with guests. All the guests he's had, he set up. The, the only guest wow. that I set up was Terrence Riley. And that was just because Terrence and I are good personal friends and it would have been weird having him on the show originally and being like, Hey, Matthew, like, Hey, you want to come on the show with John and I? And if I, you know, well, yeah, I'll come on the show, but like, why didn't John ask me? Right. So that right, was the right. only guest I ever set up. So, I mean, he literally did all of that reaching out. Uh, you know, and sometimes we talk about it and I'd be like, well, he just, just reach out to him and he would. And then a week later, he's like, you know, Carlito's coming on the show. And I'm like, awesome. Like I could have <laughs> reached out to him, but he's, he's done, they've done all that stuff themselves. I, I don't, I don't, I have nothing financially. I'm not financially involved in it. I'm, I'm literally just there. Um, so it's, uh, they've done it all, man. And yeah, maybe I had part of the inception. I appreciate that, that compliment, but I mean, they've done all that stuff, and I've I've done very little to, uh, very little to to aid in how they've developed it. No, it's it's a it's a good show. I, I like when you're on. I feel like you add a good dynamic. You, you know your personality as well. It's and it's it's been a a welcome a welcome surprise to see you on as much as you've been on recently. Um, yeah, so and I'll be on next week. I'll be on next week Thursday. I'll be live actually with Matthew. Uh, in his uh, in his studio, so I'll be there in person, and that will probably be my last uh, my last my last show in June, and then I'll probably do I'll be a little more I'll be active with them a little bit more in uh, Vegas during the PCA show. They got PCA coverage, so I'll be involved in that okay. as much as I can. Uh, but yeah, so next week will be my last show for June, and then I'm tied up after that. So I want to go back and talk about these ashtrays, guys. Um, Coop, actually, we were yeah, I was just gonna say Coop has one. And we were chatting about it not too long ago. Hold on, let me get a let me get a zoom in on that. Coop, put that up. So, tell us. I mean, you you kind of told us that this like, and I think Lido did when he was working on it. It this kind of consumed him for a while, right? Like this was like a, oh. a major, major, major project for Lido. It, it didn't just consume him; it consumed his being and his home. Like uh, <laughs> so. so <laughs> The pandemic hits, all right? So everybody, everything's up in the air. Nobody knows what's going on. Our factory's closed. Those, that's a beautiful shot. They look great. Yeah. Um, so everybody's everybody's like, what, what do I do now? So factory's closed. We're not sure what's going on. Um, we, we don't have any cigars coming in the United States. We don't know how long that's going to last. Uh, yeah, we had some, uh, you know, retraction of our sales force. Uh, to react to that because again, you had no idea. We don't have a bonded warehouse here with like a million cigars sitting in it. Everything had to come from the Dominican Republic. Right. Uh, anyone that comes to our office and our shipping department in Miami is always shocked. They're like, they're like, there's nothing here. Like, you guys don't keep cigars here. And like, they come in and then they go out. 
and then we bring them to the guys that we bring them to the U.S. from the Dominican as we need them, um, and as they're ready. So everyone had to, everybody picked up hobbies. So Tony started learning Photoshop, and he got really into it. So he does all the artwork and all the all the advertising materials and all the new graphics and all that, all of those things. So you notice those changed, um, improved. That's what he focused on. I started learning, you know, broadcasting, uh, Adobe After Effects, Adobe Rush. Uh, so I started learning some basics of um, of that to do some broadcasts and live live events. And Lido, Lido somehow uh, started to like work with like resins and molds <laughs> and baking molds. Um, and he got very into it. It was the only thing he did really, you know, outside of the cigars and getting that back to normal, any free time he spent in ashtrays. And he was making them in his house. He was making them in his office in Miami. He was making it at the office at the factory. Um, he actually, now he's actually churned our conference room at the factory. And I don't know, Coop, if you actually got to see this when you were down there. Um, he turned our conference room into an ashtray laboratory. It literally exists. So when we say there's the astronomy lab, there's actually an astronomy lab. <laughs> I didn't and, see that. Yeah. It, yeah, It's crazy. I mean, it's out of control. There's all these different color combinations. There's ashtrays with M&Ms inside of them. Uh, I mean, there's <laughs> different color combinations, sizes. The sky's the limit with this thing. And he, he's probably got 70 or 80 at, at the minimum different designs. And these are just the first ones you're seeing um, are these are these uh, primary, you know, primary colors, essentially. Uh, How yeah, many I mean, of these are there? So the, I know that, the, you know, they're all technically designed and made already, but we're, you're releasing them one by one. What, how many art do we expect in this series? We have the red and the blue that we've seen so far, right? So right now there's amber, which is the red, and, it's, and, and there's a lighter version of the red, which is pink. Um, that's okay. come out. That's not, that, that's not been – this one you're looking at here is the amber one. That okay. one – that one has had an official release, and the Azul, which is the blue, had an official release. Outside of that, we've had a few that have jumped around. We have a couple orange ones that we re that we've shipped in Miami, uh, probably like twenty of them um, for the University of Miami, and then we have uh, a green one. Uh, there's two in existence of a black uh, that have that have shipped to retailers, and then there's like ten pink. So I have one of the pink. I think Coop, it looks like Coop might have one of the pinks. Uh, now, you, you know, you already got the amber. The pink's yeah, really the amber. noticeably yep. pink. So there's endless amounts of color opportunities. So right now, in active rotation, you've got blue and the red. Those have been released right. and we're done with those. Uh, there's been pink, orange, and black, and green made. Uh, but those haven't received official releases yet. Those have just been ones that have filtered in. Uh, so I, I think you'll probably see another at least another one to two official color releases. And then we're going to start getting to some more of the elaborate ones, bigger sizes, different sizes, different shapes. Um, as I said, there's, there's endless amounts of molds and different projects with it. Um, but I think you'll see a couple more colors here in the next uh, few months, and then you'll start to see some more of the elaborate designs. That's uh, cool. Cool project. Very cool. Yeah. yeah and I'll tell you, he literally makes these things. Um, like he actually makes them. So, you know, I was listening to some different things. I think Steve Saka's ashtray came out with a handmade one. That's really cool. And uh, he made a little dig about people coming out with cigar ashtrays that come in molds. I know he wasn't talking about us, um, 
but uh, but I kind of took it personal, and I want to make sure that people understand. Like these are literally handmade, and Lido Lido freaking made them. That, that's crazy. That 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 he's making them. <laughs> Nuts. Yeah, it's like that ashtray. If you notice, it's clean. I haven't like ashed into it. <laughs> it's, it's here. It's, it's it's here. It's so nice. I don't want to ash into it. Though. It is. It's one of those. Like you know, yeah. It's like. <laughs> I, I have I have the blue one and I have the pink one at my house. I got the pink one for my daughter, and I wasn't going to use it, so I kept it in its little cloth case. So I drove it up with me from the office. So I drove up from Miami, and I dropped it on the concrete in my front yard, and it's got some scratches on it. I was so devastated because it was that thing. I'm like, I'm not going to use this ashtray. I'm not going to ash it. And the first thing I do is drop it in the middle of the yard and ruin it but uh, again it's one of those things it's it's like the nice towels that your wife has in the kitchen that you're not allowed to use this is my nice yeah, that's, uh, well my furniture well my furniture here yeah the, everything yeah. in the parlor yeah you can't sit on the furniture <laughs> fits right in <laughs> i'll have to i'll have to go get my hands on one of the orange ones that's that's a <laughs> for me for my house um yeah Go ahead, Coop. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say, yeah, the orange would be pretty cool. Yeah, um, just let, just let so, me know. We'll uh, I'll keep you in the loop on them. Yeah, let us know when they get released. Uh, Coop, give us. Uh, th- let's talk a little bit about before we get to the scoop with Coop. Um, the uh, John, I want to talk about the NFT. Can you like shed some light on this and some of the some of the like rumors that have been going on around it, all, all that kind of stuff. So. And for those that are watching and that don't know what an NFT is, I, I'm not going to get too deep into it, but it's essentially a digital piece of artwork that's certified and protected and essentially authenticated by the blockchain, which the blockchain, if you don't know what the blockchain is, look it up. I'm not going to explain to you what the blockchain is. <laughs> you can go down a <laughs> rabbit hole. How, uh, yeah, it's essentially how digital currency, digital currency and digital art or digital anything um, is is authenticated and it's a great process it's it's really uh it's uh, crypto's becoming popular especially bitcoin and ethereum because of how protected it is it's safer than american dollar um you know it's it's very authentic um but so with, with this this pro- project was birthed on almost two years ago uh we started talking about it internally it was uh, tony uh, approached his dad with the concept and they started developing it so i've been aware of it for about two years, uh, I've been aware of what the what the art was going to be. I've been aware of what the cigar was going to be uh-huh. uh, prior to the announcement on it. But when it came to the actual announcement of the logistics of of how it was going to be executed, uh, I learned about that stuff at the same time uh, that everybody else did. Uh, so I've been becoming educated on it a little bit more over the last few months. Uh, so how this NFT is different is the NFT is not the cigar. The NFT is not um the tangible item the nft right. is actually a digital piece of art which uh in, within the next two weeks before the end of the month of june there will be a drop page coming out with uh further information on the auction uh the auction site the partners that we have with that um and how how to become part of the auction for the digital nft the the artwork now, the unique nature of what we're doing with this NFT is it's not just the NFT itself. Um, there'll be seven auctions. Uh, each of them will go for 48 hours. 
Um, I, I will give people some information now before the drop site. Uh, the auctions will be handled uh, with the currency being either Bitcoin or Ethereum. Uh, so you'll have to get, uh, you'll have to transfer um, or change, uh, purchase crypto of either okay. Ethereum or Bitcoin you to get buy in the it auction. with crypto. Okay. Yep, it has to be that way because that's again that's the authentic authentication process. Somebody put a credit card on there, you can't authenticate it was a, uh, a proper transaction with uh, with Bitcoin and Ethereum. Uh, it's very secure, and that's part of the blockchain and part of the security right. based around uh, having the NFT. So the winners of that auction, however, will get tangible items. Uh, one will be a gift, which is going to be the gold bullion humidor with seventy of the golden bulls in it, which I'm smoking now. And you can tell this is a 46 ring gauge it's essentially a big corona um i've been smoking it now for almost two hours the thing's got it smokes it smokes a long time this is the second one i've smoked this week um and it's it's a great smoke it's the andalusian bull blend in a unique size um but those winners will get that bull, golden bullion humidor as a gift as a thank you for buying the mm -hmm. nft um and then along with that the owner of the nft will also have the right to buy up to 70 of those cigars a month so they can buy up to five 14 count uh golden bull boxes a month they don't have to buy them um and then if they don't buy them they won't be sold to anyone else uh, but wow. they can buy up to 70 of those a month uh, as long as they own the nft so when the nft if someone decides to sell it to someone else or exchange it or or pass down or whatever they'll always own the right to those uh 70 cigars a month for as long as we exist and then uh but they can keep the gift the gift is not uh trans is not part of it um that's just a gift to the original buyers of the auction items so um the the, re the thing that makes this different than other cigar nfts that have been out there is it's not just a digital artwork it comes with a tangible right uh the, the right to buy some sort of tangible good and then right. the market if those go on resale if a retailer happens to buy them uh that was gonna be my question value, yeah, anyone on the planet can buy them. If I was a retailer, I would certainly buy it, right? Because um, uh, there's just tangible value of it, and then the the price that it sells for would be based off of what the market's willing to pay. Um, so there will be a price that we sell it to the owners of the NFT for, uh, but the the actual market value of that will be determined by what people are willing to pay. So it's it's free market. If it sells for a thousand, it sells for a thousand bucks. Um, wow. If the cigar sells for ten, it sells for 10 if that's what the threshold is uh, my likelihood will be significantly higher than that because the limited nature of it and what the cigar is uh but uh but it's a free market cigar and, and you know i i read a lot of comments when we announced it you know people like oh lfd making something limited edition that people can't get um you know something that's priced out for the common man on the same day we released the nft we also announced the school of rolling cigar which is a sub four dollar cigar um, in three different blends so we make cigars for everybody um what what puts the value on a product is what somebody's willing to pay for uh you know i i don't think cigars have to be worth five hundred dollars but if somebody's worth wants to pay five hundred dollars for an oral blanco um they will and obviously they do since that still exists and uh you know the cigars that i smoke that i smoke that are ten dollars that are just as enjoyable the, uh, to me too so it's again it's based what everybody wants to pay for and there's nothing more free market than that uh, but for those complaining uh, that we're making something that's out of touch for people, you know, we make plenty of other cigars. Our average price cigar is ten dollars, so uh, right. you know we're in a very reasonable price range, and we just released something that was sub four. Interesting. Absolutely. Uh, Coop, I think we can go ahead and chit chat with the scoop with Coop, unless you guys have Thanks other so. questions for Carney. <laughs> 
Yeah, keep it rolling. Let's go to the scoop. All right. <laughs> Here we go, Coop. Hey, yo, what's my theme music? The Scoop with Coop. Breaking industry news. Hear it first on KMA Talk Radio and cigar-coop.com. Alex, you ever watch Coop? Alex and I can see everybody when the audience can't. You ever watch Coop when his intro comes on? I love it. No, he's, he's always rocking out to it. He's I always just rock out. He's like your maker behind. Right. I always rock. Yeah, I, know, I rock the jams quite often. So hanging with Mr. Cooper, right? Had several intros. Okay, that's the first one that they did when hanging with Mr. Cooper. Yeah, that's, that's the only the one I remember. There's a couple of other ones they did, but they weren't as good as that one. That's the best one they did. I want to say there was two or three of them they did. And uh, and I was a huge fan of that show, by the way. I I just I, I, I love that. Show. Oh, I love that show. He was like the worst teacher, uh, Mr. Cooper. He, he was like a basketball coach. He was te- he was the absolute worst teacher in the world. But he but always wore some really. He always wore really bright colored uh, sport coats too. Yeah, like I, when I was a kid, I thought that was so cool. Like he had a yeah. yellow sport coat with a black right underneath or a black shirt underneath. I was like, wow, I want to dress like that someday. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, and, and when that came out, like everyone was telling me, hanging with Mr. Cooper, it, it, you know, that was like, I, it kind of like, it was cool, it was cool when that show was out, you know, it was cool when people would do that. That was your, so, that was your jam, man. That was my jam. Well, so I love what, that. What's going on with the scoop with Coop this week, Coop? Yeah, this was a busy week. Uh, so we'll start off with uh, Alec Bradley. Um, they announced a cigar called the the Double Broadleaf Experimental Series. Um, and, and experimental series is kind of a series where Alec Bradley's doing some stuff that they normally don't do, like work with tobaccos they don't work with. So they've done the Project 40 and the Project 40 Maduro, which would use Brazilian tobacco. In this case, they're using Broadleaf, which is something that Alec Bradley really hasn't worked much with up until now. But what's making it a little more interesting is not only are they using Broadleaf on the wrapper and binder, but it's Honduran grown Broadleaf. And I believe this is one of the significant releases that's going to come out with a Honduran grown broadleaf seed. I know several people have been trying to uh, to do it. Um, and apparently the, the Rubens got their hands on some Connecticut broadleaf seeds a few years ago. And they started uh, growing it and they went through a few crops and now they think it's, it's ready to do it. So this cigar is expected to come out at the trade show uh, this year. And it's going to come out in five sizes, um, and um, ranging from nine eighty five in price to twelve seventy five. So uh, definitely, this is something I think it's going to be one of the highlights of the trade show for sure with Alec Bradley. So it's something to keep an eye on. Oh, very cool. Yeah, that's interesting, Coop. This is uh, have people been like experimenting with broadleaf outside of the states? Yeah, so I mean, there's there's some Nicaraguan broadleaf that I know AJ's worked been growing. He's probably the furthest ahead of most of the farms down there. Honduras, I Honduras has been another story. Uh, I I mean, I know that the Aroas were trying to do some stuff with it. I don't think they've gotten it there yet. So um, we haven't really seen much out of Honduras of anything significant. So this is going to be very interesting to see what this is going to taste like or anything. I think it's going to be. Um, I think it's going to be very different. People are going to be surprised, is what I'll say. Interesting. Yep. All right. Um, another piece of news that came out this week, and it's kind of already started to trickle out, and we heard a little bit of this when Robert Caldwell was on the show late last year. 
Uh, you know, Robert Caldwell and, and Tony Bellotto, they own a company called Lost and Found Cigars. And they really changed the game, I think, over the last 10 years in terms of they really made this concept of finding cigars in other factories and repackaging them. And they, they made it like a really cool thing to do. Um, and uh, they, they've had a lot of success with it. But they've changed the business model of Lost and Found going forward, where they're not going to be doing much of that anymore. Um, they're going to be focused more on small batch manufacturing right now. So um, they're going to recreate some of the Lost and Found blends. They're going to come up with some new blends as far as that goes. Um, and, yeah. Question for you. Do, you. do you think do you think a part of the transition away from the original concept of Lost and Found it had to change because it seems like in the cigar boom that everything was found. Yes. Yeah. And I think they were kind of, I think Robert kind of made that point. Um, you know, it, it, like I said, they weren't the first to do it, but they made it, they turned it into something. And I thought it was, you know, when I looked at like big stories of the last decade, that was a huge change. <laughs> our industry saw with, with, with now how that just became a, a, a big marketing and a lot of people are doing it. So at some point, the inventories are gonna dwindle, you know, and there's gonna be less right. of this stuff available. So, well, yeah, it would just make sense. I mean, it would be hard to market something lost and found when you have ninety-five percent of the cigar companies that are making cigars not being able to keep up um, and not right. have any. So, it's interesting. I said I, the timing on that to me seems realistic. Yeah, it seems realistic. I know Robert has been wanting to separate himself out from some of the other people doing that as well. So now these cigars are going to be mostly put in boxes as opposed to bundles, which we've seen in the past. And they're doing some really nice packaging with some of these things as well. So Lost and Found, I think, was more of a side project, and it grew into something they never expected it to grow. Uh, but I think to keep this sustainable, um, they, they needed to do a change, and uh, they needed to keep it fresh. So I, th I, think, it's a, I think it's a pretty good thing you'll see out of this uh, going forward. And their final, they have a final cigar, right? I think I saw a video with Robert the other day that he said it's something they found a while back that they were holding as like kind of like the final release. Yeah, I mean, he said it like when they announced this, they said they'll from time to time they will be finding stuff still. But I think mm -hmm. this is, you know, going forward that, that you're not going to see much of that anymore. Well, cool. but I, think other, well, I think other people will still be doing it. I don't think it will change. I think there's plenty of other people that will be using this concept of, you know, finding the cigars, but they're they're changing it. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. What else you got, Coop? Um, if you're a my father cigar fan, uh, they have a limited edition coming out at the trade show. It's the uh, Labajou 1922 Cien Años limited edition. So the Labajou um is a line that was actually created about. Late like late 2009, for uh, in honor of Don Pepin's father. Um, and the 1922 was the year that uh, Don Pepin's father was born. So now uh, it's the hundredth anniversary of Pepin's father's birth. So they have a couple of limited edition cigars, uh, like a couple of limited edition uh, sizes coming out with that in the form of a Corona Extra and a Corona Especial. Um, but they're they're what I what they said is these blends are tweaked from the original Le Bijou blend, so they they are something different. Um, they're going to be doing a total of 1,922 boxes of 22 cigars, um, and this is something we can expect to see at the trade show this year. So okay. uh, if you're my father fan, they're going to have that, and they're going to also have the I think we talked about this the Flores Antias 10th anniversaries uh, limited edition as well. 
So uh, they have a couple of big milestones this year as a company that they're going through. The Le Bijou is one of my go-to cigars from my father, actually. Uh, whenever I see it, I usually pick one up. You know, the, the Box Press Torpedo is the one that got the, the number one rating. Uh, very good cigar. But I love that short Robusto in that size. That, to me, that short Robusto is one of the best cigars they've ever done. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, what else you got, there, Coop? Uh, there were a couple of PCA-exclusive cigars that were announced this week. So Kristoff has announced the uh, Kristoff PCA 2022 Signature Series. It's a box press cigar featuring a Connecticut Broadleaf wrapper that's only going to be available to attendees of the um, trade the trade show. So you have to be there to order it. Um, and then yesterday, Ace Prime, company owned by Luciano Morellis, distributed by Crown Heads, they announced a cigar called Maria Luca, Lucia, which is uh, a cigar named in the honor of the founder of the company, Luciano's mother. Um, so that's another Broadleaf cigar that's coming out, uh, Box Press Limited Edition. Uh, so you could expect to see those. And that that's a nice – I, I should have sent you a picture on that, and I goofed. But that's a really nice presentation they're, they're doing of that. Uh, we just had Luciano on our show last week, and he's a he's an incredible guy. He's like the biochemist of the cigar industry as well, just say. I was on a fishing trip with him like a, like a, a month ago. And man, he's just got ten billion things going on. He's yeah. Got, he's got his. He's got irons in every fire, and he's the one stoking the fire. Uh, you know, he's not just throwing it in and letting somebody stoke it. Um, it was fascinating to to watch how many different projects he has going on: cigars, wine, you name it. He's yeah. he's got some. He's something going That's on. Awesome. Yeah, he. I mean, he talked a lot about. Um, he came out to the media house last year and kind of did a clinic at the compound. And, uh, you know, he talks about that, and then he talks about how taste is, uh, you know, the enzymes in the body, processed taste and all that. He's just really into the whole biochemistry uh, angle of things. And uh, if you really want to geek out with cigars, uh, there's no better way to, to, to do it with, than with him. But you're right, John. He's got a ton of stuff going on. I mean, it's just it's, it's, it's unbelievable what he's been doing. We were on the boat, and he's like, what, he's like, what tobaccos do you like smoking? And I was, so I was like, well, I, I like this. He's like, what's the one you just smoked? So I told him what I'd smoked and he, he pulled out a cigar and he's like, he's like, this is a new blend I'm working on, um, a new project. And he goes, I want, he goes, tell me what you think of it. And he's like, it's got toba similar tobaccos. I mean, and then, then he did it to me again, like at night, he's like, what are you smoking now? And he's like, well, I'll try this. So he's, he's got, he's, he's always, he was on the phone yeah. half the time too, when we were fishing. And, uh, and I was like, good grief, man. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Then we were like, then we were sampling his wine and I'm like, what the heck? I mean, what what don't you have going on? I'm like, where's your bottle wow. of water and protein yeah. shake, man? Yeah, right. yeah, he's a he's a great guy. Um, and just like I said, he's been an asset I think to the industry since he's come in for sure. That's cool. Yep. Uh, okay. One other note I'll make um, is uh, Favilli Cigars, which is the reincarnation or or what Mombacho Cigars is being called now in the U.S. But they've been okay. going going a major transformation as a company i think we've talked about a couple projects they announced another project this week it was kind of the ultimate teaser uh they're going to be doing a collaboration with a gentleman by the name of fabian ziegler who people know from the drew estate days um my guess is fabian when he was with drew estate he was a big uh, he was big into the infused and flavored cigar space my guess is it's going to be something related to that I mean, I would, if you're going to bring Fabian in for collaboration, most likely that's what it's going to be. But they haven't announced the details of that yet. 
that's huh. going to be forthcoming. So uh, that's a, another case of they're announcing that they're going to announce a cigar. But they did say it was with Fabian Ziegler. Okay. Yeah. There's there's always there's little snippets coming from that company, but like never like a full story about what exactly is going on. It's um. Well, they did. They 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 kind of have been doing that throughout the whole year. But I think they did the Granada line. They've kind of told told the whole details, which is the rebranding of that whole core line. Right. Um, okay. I, I think they're making a lot of good moves as a company. I like what they're doing with the blends. I, I, I like what they're doing with the packaging of things. So I, I think there, there's a they're undergoing a major like re transformation of that company as a whole. Right. Right. Yeah. All right. Is that the, then, that's it? I got one more. more. Can I got one okay. more? But I'm yeah. gonna put John on the spot with this one. So John, it's Lido spilled the beans a little. Soleil. It's actually not called that, but it's called Soli. Soli. Okay. So see what, what you yeah. What, what you've seen what you've seen online. I corrected it on Thursday with Matthew. Um, it's called Soli. Uh, it's a okay. blend that that Lido Junior was working on for the last. Honestly, he's been working on it for like four years. I've, I've smoked four or five different iterations of it. Uh, over the years, and then uh, yeah, Lido spilled the beans on it, and I got started to get asked a bunch of questions. I, I have seen packaging, I, I have seen the concept of it. Um, it's essentially going to be the the opposite of Lenox, not opposite in terms of of body and blend. You know, it's not, not blends very different, but not in body. It's going to be a fuller bodied cigar, uh, but it's going to be natural wrapper. Um, it's a sun concept. It's a play on words, right. sun s u n and s o n. And uh, it's going to be essentially the opposite of uh, of Lenox. If you put them side by side, uh, they would be the antithesis of each other. But yeah, that's coming at the trade show. Probably going to have more information on that by the end of June. Um, usually, we start having information and artwork and things trickle in a week or two before the trade show. So uh, it'll be coming soon. But yeah, that was that was leaked out and. And uh, that'll be kind of fun. We have a couple of new projects we've been working on over the years that we haven't been able to do. So I don't know exactly which ones are coming, uh, but uh, we will have information on our on our uh, lineup for the PCA show uh, within the next probably three to four weeks. Nice. And I think smoking tobacco was it was uh, actually I know it was on smoking tobacco that it was uh, leader spilled the beans. So check out that show, yeah. and I'm sure you'll get more details on that. Yeah, he said like three or four different things that that raised a bunch of. People started asking me questions about after uh, <laughs> that, uh, that I have like that I have like 10% of the information on. So uh, <laughs> it was a, it was a, it was an inter I came back from vacation with a bunch of text messages about a new cigar and I'm like, Oh God, oh I'm like, what did he, what did he say? <laughs> That's awesome. Yep. All right. If you want more news, check out cigar coop.com reviews and uh, coop anything big, uh, coming up well you're, you're prepping for uh, the the trade show right yeah yeah and actually we start um the thursday night show the uh, our four weeks of uh pca pregame coverage and we're kicking okay. it off with, we're kicking it off with scott pierce who just confirmed reconfirmed with me this morning he'll be the guest on thursday night so oh, uh, good yep so uh we'll get a lot of questions answered you you want with scott so you want to stay tuned on that well very cool Yep. So that's at cigar-coop.com, the primetime show. And yep. uh, if you like, I watched a, a lot. I mean, like John, I I don't always sit and watch like the whole show all at yeah. once, but I watched some of the the show with Saka the other day. Yeah, um, and if you if you watch it. the first hour, you will learn about all of Saka's PCA releases. 
you know what? I didn't see the first hour. I caught him. I caught him a little yep, bit later. Yep. Yep. He announced what he's doing for the PCA this year. He's got three things planned. I'll just tell you what they are, and there's more detail. There's the Bewitched Western Osaka. There is the uh, Mi Carita Black Label uh, Saka Khan size. It's called Saka Khan. <laughs> right? uh, and then there is a new Stillwell Star, uh, which is the pipe tobacco line, which yep. is a um, – this one actually is a holiday blend. Like one, you know, They do a lot of holiday pipe blends at the end of the year. So this right. one has like a holiday blend is what, what he's talking okay. So well, those are the three things you come from. Well, one thing I thought was interesting, but it didn't go on as long as I wanted, and I wish somebody would press them a little bit harder on it. You started talking about the flavored, the flavored situation going on. It was it touched upon for a little bit. I wish somebody would really, I maybe maybe I will on the smoking tobacco show, but I, I wish somebody would really hammer him on some questions about the flavored stuff since you know he he was the CEO of the largest company in the planet that makes flavored infused cigars. It'd be really interesting. If he could, if he can talk about different things without legal issues, because they had to have been planning for what just happened recently for ever years, um, right? So yeah. it's really interesting to hammer and, and dig deep into you know some of his real opinions on yeah. on the flavored situation. I know we touched on it, but like what what were the inner workings and what were inner discussions when they were coming out with new acids? And I don't know, maybe maybe they weren't thinking of anything at all. I don't know, but they had to have been planning for this while he was still there. Yeah, I mean it's interesting. It's, it's an interesting question you bring up for sure. It, what we didn't go on that on Thursday night. Um, we did talk a little about ass. Like you know, there's people who are doing some of the uh, controversial <coughs> packaging, and they're like, "Well, you know, you guys are still promoting acid." Well, acid's packaging is not controversial in that respect. It's it's right. not like you know, that's not where it's the FDA is not really looking at that as much as some of this other packaging. Right. So, right. Yeah, that's what we got into a little more with him when. Uh, well, cool. So check out cigarhavingcoop.com for more info on that. And uh, boys, are you ready with a, a, a tale of the tape for this week? Yep. Yes, we right. are. Well, yep. So let's hop right into that. All right, tell the tape, season four, we're down to the last two. Coming in at number two for me is the San Diego Chicken, um, one of the most recognizable mascots out there. Um, the weird thing about the chicken is he's, it's, he's not really tied to a team per se. He started as like a radio um, mascot, most closely aligned with the, uh, the San Diego Padres, I would say. But uh, when you talk about like, you know, high energy antics, um, San Diego chicken is all over the place. If you ever seen videos of them, of course, I always love to uh, talk about some of the mishaps of these mascots. Uh, San Diego chicken actually once had to pay out in a lawsuit uh, $300,000 for tackling a uh, Chicago Bulls cheerleader. Don't ask me why yep. he was at a Bulls game, but, you know, San Diego chicken, number two. Go. Cool. Uh, mine was also the San Diego chicken. And, uh, you know, he's, I think the chicken is kind of at this point semi-retired, if not totally retired. I don't think they've replaced him. But, you know, if you go back to the late 70s, he was really the first mascot that made mascots cool. And I remember, like, Saturday mornings, this is probably before most of you guys' time, 
there was a show on called The Baseball Bunch. It was hosted by Johnny Bench. And uh, it was like a baseball clinic type show. On, and it was great. If you're a, a kid and a baseball fan, you love the show. They had baseball players on. But the chicken was always on to provide the comic relief on that show. Just kind of, you know, because, again, it's kind of like, you know, baseball geek them. But, but the chicken added that common, um, that common, uh, that com comic relief. So, um, to me, yeah, he was like the mascot that made mascots uh, cool. And certainly, uh, I think the I think the Padres actually contracted him. I think it was the deal. Right, right. He wasn't the actual Padres mascot, but he was associated with the team. Well, and what's funny about the San Diego Chicken is that being in a you know I'm, I have a broadcasting background in college and and high school and you know went to a broadcasting school. They they a lot of people talk about him because yes, he started with the radio station and he won some kind of a lawsuit early on when they so, when he became really big and they tried to replace him with someone he 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 the original San Diego chicken guy won a lawsuit saying that he developed the character that he was the owner of the of the like character itself or the mannerisms and yeah so i apparently i was doing some reading and and they actually tried to replace the guy who plays the yeah, chicken with somebody exactly. else and they wound up getting like booed out of the stadium like everybody could just tell right away it wasn't the, the you know the chicken guy yeah, also and he, won a lawsuit against Barney. Actually, he was sued Man. by whatever corporate Barney company because he did some Barney kind of the dinosaur or Barney yes, the because he did some yeah, kind yeah. Of slapstick comedy dance contest with a Barney like figure, <laughs> and it won. It's you know they said it was obviously parody. So it's got some. This is a very this is a very litigious uh, litigious mascot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. He he won the lawsuit though. The chicken won that lawsuit. He did. He, he did. He won the Barney lawsuit. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe <laughs> that you guys have. So, are, do you do you guys at this point are you assuming that your number one is the same? Yeah. Without a doubt. Without it's a doubt, be, I think we, we knew be, our top three was going to be the same. I think we even knew the order. Yeah. You're obviously number one is going to be the Philly fanatic. So. For, for I can't discuss that on the show. Can't disclose that. Yeah. That's. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I know. But but it's I, not I on the top ten, so it's got to be number one. Right, right. Well, you know, I thought the San Diego Chicken would end up being one act. To be honest, because he's kind of like you know one of the I first. I just couldn't do it. Yeah, of course not. <laughs> I, I do like I do like to see stuff on there from uh, the Magic. I think he's a. I, I have you know, stuff. I had here, stuff. I had him on yeah, there. Incredibly yeah. underrated mascot, man. Oh, I agree. His, I love watching stuff. I, I would, the Magic Dragon. Stuff, stuff. Wally from uh, Wally from the. Uh, the green monster would be on mine, and then I, I would have, I would have that Phoenix Suns gorilla in the I, top five. I had him on there too. I had him on there too. Was a high flyer. What made this tough is we did integrate college mascots in, and there's some great college mascots. Yeah, it was all, all sports mascots. Sorry. Yeah, was, there's was, a lot of screaming going on here, so I'm trying to mute myself <laughs> in between the screaming and crying. <laughs> college has all the good live mascots too. Yeah, any that's protein, real, you know, live animals. No, I don't think so. Yeah, it's so weird to me that those still exist. You would think in the days of, of PETA and protests right, and that right. kind of thing that these things wouldn't exist anymore. Well, they're pets, man. They're, they're pets and they have a job. I mean, they, they, what's more right. free than, than, you know, making money? Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's true. I guess that's true. Um, all right. So, Alex, do you have would you rather questions? I do. All right. So why don't we get into our uh, new segment? Well, before we do that, John, is there anything you got you want to like, you know, touch on like the, that our listeners or viewers should be looking forward to in the next 
couple of months from from LFD? Is there anything in particular you want to plug? I mean, we we hit on all of it. I mean, okay. We, I mean, we've got so we've got the, the gourmet sessions are going on. We've got a, a virtual session at the end of the month. We've got a in person session in Pennsylvania, uh, the third week of June. Um, I said traveling started back up again. The PCA stuff's uh, slowly leaking out. We'll have more info on that. The NFT, the ashtrays. Um, uh, the only thing I would say to people listening, there there are more LFD cigars coming out. We appreciate your patience. Uh, we understand if you're a retailer watching the challenges of having something that's popular and sells well for you and it moves faster than we're able to get. But we, we've made a lot of uh, moves on that. It just takes time. Uh, it takes time to, to, to get a natural product to to get out there and I said we we'd we'd much rather have uh we'd much rather be patient and have have people upset or frustrated uh that it's taking time to get it rather than having it come out and be rushed and have you calling up complaining that it's awful so um we don't want to appreciate the patience yeah we appreciate the patience over the pandemic and so we're slowly working our way out of it and uh you know last month was our best month ever uh, this is the best start to June we've ever had. So they're, they're, you know, we appreciate the patience and there is uh, relief on the way. Awesome. Good to hear. All right. Now let's go to Would You Rather. Would you rather, presented by our good friends at Gurkha Cigars, and always got to love Juan's little intro there, probably taken from his Facebook travels somewhere. All right, go ahead, Alex. All right, here we go. We got three questions, starting number one. Would you rather give up meat or give up cigars? Wow, Carney, that, wow, that is a wow. That's just nasty, man. That's a mean question. You guys I think I know the answer to that one. I come, I come on here to the show for a couple <laughs> hours, and this is the question I get at the end. They get stranger. Um, Sorry. All, all meat. All meat forever. Yeah. Yeah, or I'd give cigar. up cigars. I'd give up cigars. Wow. Wow. That's got to be a hard decision, yeah. I mean, I love, I love, I love chicken. I love fish. I love, I love beef. I love wild game. Um, so if, if I had to give meat, one up, if it was just red meat, you could, you could can the red meat. Oh, he's yeah, absolutely. 100%. Yep. 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 If it was just red meat, I'd, I'd give up the red meat, but if I'm giving up all protein, uh, all, all, you know, muscle based protein, it would, uh, man, cigar, sorry, cigars, you're gone. Fair enough. But and right. Matthew just put it. My my wife's vegetarian, and uh, it's true. And I think she's I think she's probably shocked by my answer because she does eat good food <laughs> and I enjoy it. But uh, I enjoy it because there's always a side of of meat with it. <laughs> <laughs> there's your your portion on the side too. Yeah, yeah. All right. Question number two: Would you rather be in a real life version of The Walking Dead or Jurassic Park? I. I I had a conversation briefly with Abe on this when he asked about like technology and, and military things. Uh, I don't see why in Jurassic Park they're having such an issue with dinosaurs. There's like <laughs> seeking missiles. There's drone strikes. Um, 
I, I would I would much rather be in a live version of Jurassic, a real live version of Jurassic Park, because I, I think there's I watch those movies and I see what they've done wrong, and I know what I would do, and I would have a, an arsenal, and a, I would have my own military, and I would take the dinos out. So at zombies, I don't want to be part of that. I, I agree. You can contain the dinosaurs. The zombies always seem to get out somehow because they're super intelligent. All right. Well, here we go. Question number three. Would you rather have a head the size of a watermelon? You're close. Or the size of a tennis ball? Oh, man. The size of a watermelon, for sure. <laughs> size Wait. of a watermelon. I was, I'm, already, I'm already close. So well, I yeah, figured maybe you change I, I, your pace. You might want to yeah, see what the yeah, other no, side's like. Tennis ball is almost a little too small, man. Right. That's, that's, that's like tiny. a little uh, Beetlejuice head shrinker guy. I was going to yeah, say, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, watermelon sounds very appealing. I, it, you know, <laughs> I, don't, I think there's probably people that have like big head fetishes. I, there's not a lot of small head fetishes outside of like those really uh, out there like uh, uh, religious groups in like India that, that are all about uh, cannibalism and tiny heads right. and things like that. Right, right. <laughs> Well, there you have it. Would you rather? <laughs> Would you rather presented by our good friends over at Gurkha Cigars. Hey, John, man, we really appreciate you uh, coming on, and it, it means a lot to us. It's always a good yep. conversation. Yep. I'm glad you got to talk a little bit this week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I said not, not to, not nothing negative on Abe. It's just you put two big talkers in a room. I'm gonna let Abe talk. So it was. It was a pleasure. I said, uh, you know, if, if you guys are short on a guest over the next five weeks, I'd be happy to uh, happy to jump on. Those other forty-seven weeks, I don't think I'm going to be interested in any longer. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and Coop and I promise. I'm up in Orlando. Well, summer I usually avoid Orlando, but uh, Coop and I promise we'll reach out to you when we're up in Orlando. Again. Yeah, it was tough this time, John. I was doing a lot of hey, family stuff. It's it's yeah. it's tough when when I'm home. I'm with the baby too yeah. a lot of the time. Yeah. So yeah. it's tough. So I I may not even be able to connect yeah. up, but. Uh, We'd, uh, we'd, we'd definitely love to go to the park with you sometime, Paul, just preferably Epcot. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, anytime All you're up, let me Epcot, know yeah. if it works out. It doesn't, if it doesn't, it's not a big deal. I, I don't yeah. take it personal. Yeah, uh, John, I'd like to go to Corona Cigar with you. Take it very personal. Yeah. I like to go to yeah, Corona Yeah, that's where I started yeah, smoking. Yeah. It's, it's, right, right. That's, where, that's what that's I want to do more. When I... <laughs> I mean, I like Corona Cigar, too. Uh, all right, guys. Well, thank you so much. We will see you next week. We'll get another postcard from Honest Abe next week. I don't have the guest list in front of me unless you do, Alex. I don't remember who is on next week, but we will post something later today with uh, a little teaser. I know Coop doesn't like Well, it's not really a teaser because it's booked with uh, our next week's guest. But uh, thank you, Coop, again. And uh, Coop, you. are you going to be on next week as well? Uh, if you guys need me, I'm here. I'm here oh, for – We're yep, calling it now. Up. We want Coop. All right, yeah, I'm back. I'm back. All right, guys. Until next week, yep. keep it lit.